You're listening to episode 183 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. Okay, hold on. Humor me for a second here because this is too good not to share. If if you've been following me for a while, I had I pretty much cut out all alcohol for a few years' time, which is crazy, but true. I'd have a drink, maybe like here or there, if we had friends over and we made a big dinner, or once every couple of months. Like one drink every couple of months, maybe. But I'd always pay for it later, and I hated that. Like, it's not worth it to me. I have three little kids. They don't care that mommy had a glass of wine the night before, and they're not going to let me sleep it off. I can't stand hangovers. I can't stand being foggy-brained or having a headache or whatever the next day. I'd have one glass of wine. I was turning into such a pathetic little lightweight, and it would cut into my work and my mood. It just it wasn't worth it. But if I'm being totally transparent, the Italian in me missed her wine, and that was just kind of my, like, curl up by the fire kind of drink or my cherry on top of an amazing Italian dinner kind of thing. But it wasn't worth it. And you also know that I'm totally obsessed with health. We've eliminated all the garbage in our lives as a family. And it never really occurred to me that I'm over here avoiding fruits and vegetables that are sprayed with chemicals, buying organic, But I'd drink a glass of wine, never putting two and two together that the grapes were being sprayed with all the toxins that we completely cut out of our lives. So when I heard about dry farm wines, I'm a skeptic and a research junkie. So I dug into it, organically grown grapes without any of the additives or toxins sprayed on them, the stuff that I hate, sugar-free, that's right, sugar-free. And sometimes I feel like for me, having a drink, the sugar hits me harder the next day than the alcohol even does, lower sulfites paleo and keto friendly. So I also am the type that never wants to recommend anything to you guys unless I've tried it for myself and tried it quite a few times. So I'm happy to report that I'm obsessed. My husband and I are obsessed with dry farm wines. I can drink wine again. I can curl up by the fire. I can have it with my big bowl of pasta. And I love the taste. And Really, I love the fact that it's small batch and supporting organic farmers all over the world. This is like you know, what I stand for in business too. I want to support the small businesses throughout the world. So if you care about that kind of stuff like I do, or you just really like good wine, go check them out. They've offered to do something special for you guys as my listeners of Scaling Up, and they're going to give you a bottle for one penny. They can't do it for free legally because of the whole alcohol thing. With your order at dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz, E-L-I-Z. So Man, it has just been so worth it 
to go this route. I can enjoy a glass of wine again. And if there's ever a bottle you don't love, they replace it, no questions asked. So that's always really appreciated because then you're not going to love every single wine that you try. It's a perfect gift for yourself, maybe, or for my fellow wine lovers and hangover haters. This is great for you. No hangover. Are you hearing the words coming out of my mouth? No hangover. So go check them out. Take advantage of what they're doing for our scaling up community. I so appreciate that. Dryfarmwines.com forward slash Eliz. Okay, thanks for letting me digress for a second here and let's get back to the show. The long-awaited topic of LinkedIn and leveraging LinkedIn to connect with the right people, to grow your list, to increase your conversions. Today, we have the lovely Andrea Jones on the show. She is fiercely committed to helping businesses and podcasters to build profitable online communities through simple, love that word, social media solutions. And she's excellent and masterful at LinkedIn specifically. And this is something you guys have been asking for. I am raising my hand and admitting that I have underutilized this platform so much so. I used to use it back in the day when I was in the corporate space and it was basically a resume for me. But now we're getting into the nitty gritty of how to use LinkedIn to grow and scale your business. Is it some dinosaur that you don't need as an entrepreneur or is it actually one of the go-to resources that you can be using to grow and scale? So today we have Andrea telling us all about what we need to do to utilize LinkedIn. And don't worry, she starts at ground zero because that's what I personally asked her to do for me. So take out your notebook, get ready. You guys are gonna be LinkedIn experts by the end of today's show. It's been a long time coming that we talk all things LinkedIn on the show. So I'm thrilled to welcome you to Scaling Up, Andrea. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So we'll dig into the nitty gritty of how to use this platform for maximum benefit for our entrepreneurs listening. But I am curious, how did you get into the social space? Tell us more about your journey here. Why LinkedIn? Just tell us more about you. Yes. So, I mean, I like social media. I'm like one of those weirdos who enjoys being on the platform. And I actually met my husband on YouTube. So it's like embedded into my life. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes. I was like, I like your eyes. Anyways, um, we were both kind of YouTubing at the time. Um, And so when I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to live with him in Toronto, Canada, and we got married and all of that good stuff, um, I started my business and I started off doing a bunch of different things, but really landed on social media because I liked it. It's repeatable because it never stops. Um, and it, a lot of people see a need there because a lot of people actually don't like social media and it ends up being a huge time waste. Um, and so that was 2014. Uh, so seven years later, I have an agency where we um, do done for you services for our clients. And I also teach this in the Savvy Social School, which is my program. Uh, But the reason why I like LinkedIn specifically, because that's one of my favorite platforms, um, is number one, you don't have to do as much on the platforms. You don't have to post as much. You don't have to um, like create as much content. Um, It kind of lives a lot longer. And then number two is like the search and networking uh, capacity of LinkedIn 
is so different than the other platforms. And you can just get really specific about the types of persons or people that you want to connect with, find them and like start relationships with them. So uh, that's why I like LinkedIn is that it's, it's kind of like how Facebook felt when it first started, you know, where it's like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like ruined by marketers yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hopefully it remains that way. Well, I'm going to pepper you with like a bajillion questions because LinkedIn has been on my to-do list for, I don't know, a couple of years now, and I keep pushing it down. And um, I'm very confident that after today's episode, you'll kick my butt into the air as to why I need to leverage it. But the elusive LinkedIn for a while to me, at least through my perspective, it was almost like a relic, like a MySpace, unless you were job hunting in the corporate world. But today it's this powerhouse for online business owners and entrepreneurs. So help me bridge that gap. When did you learn about the power of LinkedIn and why do we need to be using it in the entrepreneurial space? Yeah. And you know, you're you're not alone in that thought. It is kind of because it feels really buttoned up and professional and like right. the suits and the and you know the workspace and it started off as a resume basically. And so that perception shifted over the years. I would say for me, that started probably around 2015 in that because you can search for people based on their job title, if you are a business owner and you specifically speak and teach to um, individuals who have specific job titles um, or even who are in specific niches, you can find them on LinkedIn. And then because it has that more like professional vibe, people feel more comfortable doing business on the platform versus if you send someone a Facebook message, it's like their personal profile feels a little bit weird. Um, And then there's a lot of space for creativity. So because it is so buttoned up, anyone who comes in with a creative perspective is so much more memorable in their content than the people who do approach it as a resume and only post when they get a new job or if they're looking for a job or something like that. Yeah, that helps paint a picture. And I love the idea that you can stand out a little more easily. It's tough. Even if you're really creative on Instagram, you're one of a bajillion really creative people on Instagram, whereas you might be that diamond in the rough on LinkedIn. So for those of us who haven't used LinkedIn since the job hunting days, like for me over a decade ago, help us. What should we be doing first? Yes. The first thing I want you to do is change your LinkedIn headline. So your LinkedIn headline, it's almost like a little tagline. It's the very first thing you read when you're looking at someone's LinkedIn profile outside of their name. And what LinkedIn does is they automatically put your job title there in your headline. So it'll say like Andrea Jones, social media manager, and that's it. And you actually have, I think it's up to 200 characters now of space to describe what you do. And so as business owners, we often have a very specific niche or a very specific outcome that we help our people achieve. And so instead of just having a job title, like let's say you're a financial advisor, instead of just saying financial advisor, you could say something like, I help small businesses manage their money so that they can have more money at the end of the day. That's a, that statement describes and goes way beyond the title of financial advisor. So if you're looking for the very first thing to update um, outside of like your profile picture and all of that basic stuff, um, definitely look at that headline as a great way to describe what you do. Okay. That's a good starting point. And then 
So when you look at a LinkedIn profile, does the aesthetic matter? Like I'm, I'm picturing like Instagram, Facebook, everything's so aesthetically pleasing or it should be based on, you know, what people think for those platforms. Is it about that or is it more about the content that you're putting out? Like, are you putting out articles? What are the best approaches aside from that headline that you talk about? Should we be doctoring up other parts of our LinkedIn profile to fix it up or make it look better? Should we be removing old jobs that aren't relevant to what we do now? What is the process to get us ready to kind of be public with our LinkedIn? Yes. So there's a few other places I want you to look outside of the headline. Um, The next space is the summary. Um, And I pause because they keep changing it. Summary or about section. I've been teaching this for so long, Um, but this is like a longer explanation of what you do. Um, This is like almost similar to the about section on your website. If someone scrolls here, they're looking for a reason to trust you. So add in that content that talks a little bit about your history, why you're doing this. You put some testimonials there, add a link to your website, all of those things that really help people build that know, like, and trust factor with you. Um, there are There is content as well, but it's not as visible on the profile as you'd think. So I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but I do want to touch on the past job history. Because I get this question a lot, like, should I delete that time I worked at like Sephora when I was, you know, 17 or whatever the case may be? And I say, keep it there because I love a person with a job history and a story. And you never know what's going to resonate and connect with someone. So when I'm doing the proactive outreach side of my strategy, which is more connecting in conversation, I look for things like that. Like I went to Georgia State University. So if I see someone else went to Georgia State, I want to connect with them over that fact. So I love seeing the past job history there. Um, And then make sure to obviously include your business that you run now um, and kind of add in some um, descriptors there, add in some of your success metrics, like if you've been nominated for any awards or received any awards and things like that, definitely put that in that job section. And then underneath that on your LinkedIn profile, there's also an opportunity to add any of your history, whether like where you went to school or any courses that you've taken as well to or certifications that you've taken as well for your position. So that really is a good way to start filling in your profile, the headline, the about summary section and the different job postings. Um, When it comes to the actual content itself, there is little previews that are that are shown on LinkedIn, but it really is like your past one or two posts. And so the aesthetic of it doesn't matter as much because there isn't a history. Like when you look at someone's uh, Instagram, you instantly see like nine grids and you see, you know, like the highlight covers and it's a very visual experience not as much on LinkedIn. So it's really the content that matters. Um, With the cover photo, you do have opportunities to add in some branding elements. So if you do have a very visual brand, that's definitely the place to add it. Very similar to a Facebook cover photo in the sense that you can include more languaging about who you are and what you do, as well as give more visual elements to represent what you do as well. Okay, that's great. And I want to dig into the content piece in a minute, but what are some of the consistent action steps we need to be taking and the frequency of those actions? You know, when I think of other platforms, it's like, okay, on Instagram, go follow people, go comment, go like their stuff, go engage on their stories. What are some of those action steps for LinkedIn? 
It's very similar to what you just described on, on Instagram. The difference being that because it is a more professional platform, I'm putting those in air quotes, um, is that there's a lot of, well, this happens on Instagram as well. There's a lot of like really sleazy, scammy people out there um, who just DM random things and like sign up for my course, join my program. And it's kind of like, I don't even know who you are, you know? So you do want to approach the strategy from a relationship building perspective. And so the great thing about LinkedIn is you can see how many people are connected to each other. So that's a really good place to start is look in your current network, see who you're connected to. Um, they have first, second, and third degree connections. So look at that second degree connection. So not someone you're directly connected to, but someone who shares other connections with you. That's a great place to start for building that out. Um, and I typically recommend making this a habit. So spend five or 10 minutes a day intentionally looking for new people to connect with. Okay. That's, and I love how you said in the beginning how it's not quite as time intensive as other platforms that we're used to. So that's very encouraging. Um, when it comes to creating the content specifically, what kind of content are people putting out there that's effective, especially in the entrepreneurial space? Like let's put aside um, the corporate, you know, people that are still using it almost as that resume, but people that fit kind of the people we serve, what kind of content is a best value. Yes. And yeah, I do like that LinkedIn content lives a long time, which means if you post today, someone on, you know, a week from now may still see your post and leave a comment, which is a beautiful thing if you've been on other platforms. Absolutely. Um, yes. But when we think about the types of content, um, I kind of put these in a few different buckets, but um, I like to think about the goal of the content as well. Um, so there's a there's three different goals that I like to think about with LinkedIn. One is one that is promoting your offer. So using storytelling or using like um, empathetic languaging to encourage people to check out what you have. This typically only works if someone has been following you, engaging with you for a while, but you do want to have that content piece in the mix. Uh, the other type of content is engagement content. So you're, the goal of that content is to get people to like and comment and to show that they're a part of your community. And the great thing about LinkedIn is it, it puts your posts in the feed when other people like and comment. So if I comment on your post, then one of your friends will see that I did that too. Uh, but also my connections will see that I commented on your post too. So it really can expand the reach of that potential post. So thought leadership type con conversations work amazingly on LinkedIn. And then the last type of content piece are um, content pieces that are shareable. And typically this, these do tend to be articles or things like that. They can be external pieces, but they also can um, double up with that engagement content piece or content goal as something that people feel resonates so much with them that they need to share it with their audience as well. And so I like to rotate between those. I usually post on LinkedIn about once or twice a week. And for those of you who are just starting out, I do recommend that cadence about once or twice a week, rotate through these posts. Um, and if you can celebrate something even better, that's kind of like your wild card. If you really need to boost engagement, celebrate how long you've been in business. Has it been four years, five years, one year? Celebrate that. Celebrate getting a new team member. Celebrate creating a new offer. 
um, celebrate, you know, your growing community. People love to celebrate with you. And so that's a really great way to jumpstart your engagement as well as a content piece. And when it comes to content, what are the features of, of LinkedIn? You know, is video popular on the platform at this point, or is it more written content? Are photos a factor? Like, do you bring any aesthetic into it, or is it more about the body and the kind of the meat and potatoes of the content you're posting? Yes, the, the meat and potatoes, the body of the content still is the most important. Um, and because of how the users use the platform now, video is great. Make sure you just have um, subtitles because a lot of people watch it silently. Um, and they have new live video features as well. So I've actually found some really good success going live on that platform. And I get the most out of my live content. I use a tool called Restream to live, like go live on Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube at the same time. Um, so I can see where the comments are coming in and I get a lot more comments on LinkedIn than I do on YouTube and Facebook. Um, specifically Facebook, it feels like I have to fight so hard to get seen on that platform. Um, so video definitely works really well on LinkedIn, but um, I find that it's not as well as some of the other platforms as far as, far as static video goes. Um, so an alternative to that, just writing out a, a caption and you can add a graphic if you'd like. We find that multiple graphics work well. So similar to Instagram has carousel posts. This kind of puts them in a mosaic functionality similar to Facebook. Um, but having those multiple images, especially if they have text on the image, works really well on LinkedIn. You don't need to have a square so they can be landscapes size and it's almost like slides, you know, you could have slides teaching uh, a topic. And when I talk about those shareable content pieces, those are the things that get shared. You know, those are the things where someone sees it. Um, let's say it's a graphic designer talking about some of the changes that you can make in your, to your website in 2021 to really help, you know, convert your website. If I'm a coach and I'm looking at that, I want my people to see, Hey, check out these tips for graphic design on your website, try implementing these, see what you can learn. And so it's really having that, um, kind of like that, that content that goes deeper, but you don't need as much of it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And what about like for a launch, you know, how do you, do you just stay with that typical cadence of one to two posts a week? Or if you're going into a launch of an offering, do you hit it a little heavier? Go, or is there uh, some unwritten rule of like, you're overdoing it over on this platform. We don't want to hear from you more than those couple times a week. So how would that work? So this is a really good question. And every time I've tested it out, um, I wouldn't go higher than one post a day. Um, because then you're competing with yourself with the way the LinkedIn algorithm works. Um, it's really going to only choose one of those posts and show one of those. Um, but when you're headed into a launch, the pre-launch phase is the most important part. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's similar to any other platform, get people to convert onto your list and then sell them on the list. And so what I've seen work hands down the best with launches is if you've got some sort of lead magnet, a free PDF, a free course. I don't pop up podcast series have been really uh, popular lately, a webinar. Um, if you can get folks 
to opt into those pieces, you're much more likely to convert them during your launch. Uh, but similar to other platforms, when you're actually launching, you still want to invite folks to join you in your program or in your course um, or with your services and really still extend that invitation. But it typically so serves as a reminder piece to whatever is happening on the inside with the, with the email list. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the idea of leveraging list growth through opt-ins versus trying to only drive people directly to the sales page or to the offering itself. When it comes to messaging, what's proper messaging etiquette when it comes to LinkedIn? I feel like the train is off the tracks on Instagram with how people DM over there. And it's, I'm guessing it's not the same uh, culture on LinkedIn. You know what? It's similar. Unfortunately, there's a lot, like I had someone um, message me the other day trying to sell me solar panels. They were like in Missouri or something oh like my that. Gosh. I'm, I'm in Canada now. Like I'm not even in the same country. Oh, that's <laughs> it funny. Was like, Know your audience. <laughs> yes. And so I do think that the connection piece is important. So I like to start with a common thread. So either they, like I, a strategy that I implemented before was I love working with podcasters. I absolutely love it. Like if I could work with all podcasters all day, I just love it. So my strategy was to connect with podcast editors. We have the same clients. We could potentially exchange back and forth. So I was reaching out to podcast editors saying just that I love working with podcasters. You love working with podcasters. Let's see how we can work together. Um, a lot of these messages don't go anywhere. Um, but I found the best way to convert was a voice message because I just don't want it to seem like I'm copying and pasting these. I do quite a bit of research. I don't just send a message to anybody. I'm looking at their page. I'm looking at their headline. I click on their website. I look at their other socials. Like I really am looking for strategic partnerships. And so if I see something like they have a dog like I have, or I listen to their podcast episode and I want to kind of share about what I've learned, you know, I really want it to feel like a relationship instead of um, me just coming up to someone and being like, give me money. It just, I, it just feels icky. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And I feel like that's another great way to stand out is when you do your research and you message from that place of I'm looking to build that connection and mutually beneficial relationship. Um, just that alone puts you ahead of probably half of the people that are doing it wrong. What other secrets do we need to know about LinkedIn? Like what haven't I asked that you feel like our audience could really benefit from? Yes. So one of my questions would be, it, are there a lot of people in your audience looking to speak like virtually or definitely, person? definitely. Yes. Okay. So if you're speakers and you're looking to get on stages, virtual stages, in-person stages, start searching for event coordinators. Mm, brilliant. Um, and people, even if you know of an event, like um, FinCon, for instance, is a pretty big financial conference go look at see who's organizing that event, start connecting with them, liking and commenting on 
their content. And so when your application goes in for speaking, they've seen you before. They know what you're all about. They've seen your name. They see that you're in the community and it works wonders to kind of putting your name at the top of the list for consideration. And so that's one of my favorite ways to really network with people. The same thing goes for podcasters. If there's a podcast that you want to speak on um, or if there's a live show that you want to guest on, go search for those people, the producers of the podcast or even the hosts themselves and start networking and engaging with those people on LinkedIn because that search functionality, you can literally type in podcast host and it will pull up a bunch of podcast hosts and then you can start scrolling through and seeing if any of them connect with what you do. Um, And so yeah, speaking like the hidden gem of LinkedIn. That is an amazing tip because I know that's a great avenue to grow your following connection relationships opportunities is by getting out in front of people with your expert topics and speaking. So thank you for that. All right. To wrap us up, rank this, rank LinkedIn in the social media power scale, like comparing it to Instagram, Facebook, all the platforms that are out there. Where do you feel like this falls when it comes to growing and scaling your business, converting leads, just the moving the needle in your business? Yes. Okay. So I really think it depends on your niche. Um, if you speak to professionals, like I have two clients right now who we do the agency services for who are career executive coaches. That's their business. They have books, they have courses, they teach people who are trying to get into the C-suite how to do that. I mean, LinkedIn's a no-brainer, right? Like that's the number one platform for them. Um, for all, for everyone else, I do think that I, I'm a little biased here, but I love Instagram. And I think that for kind of like the creative piece, a lot of us are creatives because that, that's why we got into this in the first place. We may tend to go to that platform first and then LinkedIn would be second. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can use it as a secondary platform. It doesn't have to be your primary. Um, and even repurposing some of the content that does really well on Instagram. Maybe you don't need the graphic and you definitely don't need the hashtags. But what about the concepts and the posts that work really well on Instagram? Could you take those and post them on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Um, could you take, um, you know, maybe on Instagram, you're talking more to your end user um, on LinkedIn, maybe you're building those partnerships. And so I do think they work really well together. And especially since you don't need to spend as much time there, I think it's a great secondary platform. Hmm. Well, that's super helpful. I think you've painted a beautiful picture of a platform that likely most of us are underutilizing and maybe have just have a misconception about it like I did. So thank you for your wisdom today. I really appreciate you. And please tell our listeners, where can people come find you? Yes. So I'm on on, on LinkedIn, of course. <laughs> you can find me by searching Andrea Jones or online Drea. That's online D-R-E-A. Um, I'm also on Instagram as well uh, at online Drea. Um, if you do connect with me because you heard of me through this podcast, send me a voice message. Practice connecting. I'd love to hear from you. Well, you're the best. I really appreciate you. And I can't wait for to hear from our listeners and start to go check out their updated, beautiful LinkedIn profiles. Thanks to you. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing it too.
Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.